Don't there are people out there? You're like, who tells you these things? I don't know. I, I literally woke up this morning, and I went downstairs. I let my dog out. I went through the kitchen. I looked at the oven and thought, the time on the oven is not the time on my phone. I had gotten up what I thought was six on my phone, and the oven said seven. I thought, what in the world, you know? And you're still in that moment where you think, did I fall asleep for an hour and not realize it? You know, like, did I? I could have sworn I got up as soon as I heard the alarm, but the tiny thing says I'm an hour ahead of that. I was just very confused. It didn't click until a moment I thought, and nobody had, I still didn't know. I just thought, is, it, is there a time change or something today? So I Googled it, you know, time change today. And lo and behold, hey, here we are. So I just want to give a quick shout out and a thank you to all the iPhones, you know, that are keeping us and doing smart things for us. You know, they have a lot of bad qualities, but they have some good ones too. And I arrived at church on time because of that. So uh, welcome to all of you who came to the late service today that you normally come to the other one. You thought, man, I could really sleep in today. Uh, shout out to all the parents who don't get to sleep in even when the time changes because your kids wake up earlier. Yeah, so I hear you. I see you. I feel you, okay? All the young people are like, yeah, I slept extra this morning. And all the parents are like, no, my kids got up earlier than normal. So uh, we know how this goes. We're all in this together, though, all right? Now, hey, look, today we're talking about money. Everybody say, money, 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 money. Who can give the, hey, money, 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 money. Who's with me? All right, no, none of y'all. Wow, you're just going to leave me up here looking like a fool all by myself. I thought we were together. I thought, okay. Listen, here's what I, I want you to have this picture in your mind. You know, like the scene from a movie when you go, you watch the guy, he's in some gambling debt, you know, and uh, the door breaks down and there's like these two really buff, big guys. They grab him by the collar. And what do they say? They say, where my money at? You know, where my money at? That's how I want you to picture this morning, except I'm not doing that to you. You're doing it to yourself, okay? Here's, what, here's, my, here's the picture for you, okay? This is you. Where's my money at? And you're looking at yourself, okay? I'm looking at myself, but if you could see you, you know. This is what I want. This is what the Lord really wants you to do this morning is look at yourself, say, where my money at? And to discern, because the truth we're going to learn about today and throughout this month is that money is a mirror that reveals yourself to yourself. That money gives you a good look at who you really are, what you really care about. And the Bible says it this way, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Money is a mirror. And how you spend your money is telling you everything you need to know about your life. And I want you to take a good hard look at yourself throughout the day and say, grab yourself by the collar and say, where my money at? Specifically, when I told them about the, the title for the graphic, they texted me back and said, do you want an S on that? Like, where's my money at? That, that's the graphic, you know, do you want an S? I said, no, I don't want an S. Did anybody ever show up and say, where's my money, sir? No. I said, where's my money at? That's what, okay. That's what I want you to have that kind of huh today, all right? So, I got to know. I got to have it. I got to know where it's at. I need to know. The important thing about this, like we said, is money is a mirror. It'll tell you about yourself. And the Bible says where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, we've just coming out. This is where it's really going to get you, all right? For those of you who have been with us the last six weeks, we just spent the last six weeks in Hebrews 11 talking about faith. And everybody's, woo, full of faith until you have to apply it to a particular area of your life. Faith sounds great until you got to use it somewhere you don't want to use it no more. And what we're going to see is what does faith look like applied to the area of our money? Because in the same thing we saw about faith, really life is a decision of two choices, this way or that way, this leader, this master, this boss or that leader, that master, that boss, this direction or that direction. And so it is with money, you really only have two choices with how you use it. And you need faith to use it right. Now, before we jump into this, uh, and we, we, we really want to preach this passage to you and help it land on you as needed, but I, I want to provide some quick caveats before I do that, because some of y'all about to get real uncomfortable in this place, okay? You be squirming, okay? That's what I love. Somebody once told me, you make me so uncomfortable and then relieved all at the same time, you know? Like, That's probably a good sermon, I guess, you know? I say, it's just squirming your feet a little bit, and then be like, oh, God loves me anyways. Okay, we're good. Let's move forward. Okay. 
So you might get a little uncomfortable this morning. Uh, a few caveats. Number one, so if I yell at you about money, what I want you to know first of all is I love this church, and this is a very generous church. We're relatively small in size, but the impact is very big in terms of what we're able to do here locally and around the world with City Light Centers all over the world because of your generosity. And there's been many, we've had organizations tell us that we give in large proportion, way greater than what we bring in in terms of what most churches give. So you are very generous. We are a generous church. Praise God for that. Let us continue doing that. We're gonna talk in a few weeks about what does generosity look like in terms of the mission and things we continue to do for God. But today I want you to understand these next few weeks is less about giving and more about godliness. And giving is certainly a huge part of that. It's a component of it. But I want you to understand the goal is to help you be Christ-like and for those of you who don't know Jesus to know what does it mean to actually follow Jesus and trust him. But I applaud all of you. It's a very generous church and I'm thankful to be a part of it. The second thing is I just want to recognize that all of you are in very different financial situations. Very different. You come from different financial situations. You find yourself in different financial situations. What I want you to understand is that the principles and truth of the word still apply to your life whether you have a lot or don't have much at all. The same problems come into your life whether you have a lot or don't have much at all spiritually. And therefore, we all need to discern how these principles play out in our life because money is very dangerous for all of us. It's a very prominent idol. And I I, I want to... That the freedom, I think there needs to be a great need to, to preach with authority this morning to separate you from that idol. But I want to also understand the difficulty of many of your situations. But you need to understand that money is dangerous for you. It, it, for those who have enough, it pushes them towards greed. And to those who don't have enough, it pushes them to fear. But either way, it leads us into sin somewhere other than God. And so whether you have a lot or whether you don't have enough, money's a danger for both of you. And so we need to understand what does it look like. And my concern pastorally is that your use of money is killing your spiritual life. And instead, I want to help it catalyze your spiritual life. And I want to help you grow. Ultimately, I want you to know, most most importantly, that God cares very much about your life. He sees you in your particular situation. He loves you, and he knows what's going on in your life. He knows your fears. He knows your sins. He knows your temptations. He knows your struggles. He knows your doubts. He loves you and he wants to meet you in this place to provide the help that you need, to provide conviction where it's needed, but also encouragement for you to continue on and trust God's way. So God sees you right where you're at and he has a word for you this morning, wherever you may be. And ultimately, there might be some of you who don't know Jesus yet and maybe the willingness to give up something you want in this world has prevented you from following Jesus to be ready for the next world. And I want you to see today how that's a very bad trade and how trusting in Jesus is worthy of any sacrifice you need to make on the earth for it. And so the the Lord has a word for all of you, no matter where you're at. So go ahead and open your Bible to Matthew chapter six. Let's go, go. we're gonna hear from the Lord this morning. Matthew six, just three verses. We'll spend the next several weeks uh, in 19 through 24. We're just gonna do these three this morning. Uh, Jesus says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. And here's the sentence. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And that's what we need to understand as we move forward. The first point you need to understand is this. You have to follow the money so you can find your heart. Follow the money and find your heart. We all know any detective work almost always begins with this question. Follow the, follow, where's the money? Follow the money. Did somebody die? Where's the money? Is something corrupt in it? Where's the money going, you know? Follow the money. Where's the money coming in? Where's the money going to? And that's gonna tell me an awful lot about what's happening in this particular situation. Well, now we're all being detectives on our heart and we need to understand, to, to figure out what's going on in our heart, we have to follow the money. And when we follow the money, we will find our heart and where we really are. It's the quite opposite of trying to follow your heart. We need to follow the money and find where our heart is because the truth about your life is you are revealing more about yourself than you already know. 
You're so busy looking for yourself that you never thought to look where you're already revealing yourself. There are things about your life that are obvious, that are telling you who you really are, what you really love, and what your purpose in life is. And you're so busy looking for yourself somewhere else that you never thought to look where I might be revealing myself already. You don't have to go looking for your heart, so to speak. I can tell you exactly where it is, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So, like the scene from Jerry Maguire, show me the money, all right? That's what you need to be thinking. Show me the money. Now, those of you who are under 30 have no idea what I just said. No idea. Actually, somebody, I won't, I won't call him out. It's just the drummer. He, he came up to me after the service and said, was that a Seinfeld reference? And I thought, wow, wow, wow. <laughs> when you know you're getting older, I mean, it's just Tom Cruise and Cuba Gooding Jr., just two of the biggest actors of all time. No big deal. Okay, so anyways, show me the money. This is what you need to be screaming over and over again. Here's what's important. Okay, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, which means the obvious truth that these are always in the same place. You can't have one over there and one over there. Your treasure and your heart are always Forever, 100% of the time, in the same place. Always. And therefore, you can know exactly where your heart is at. They're like Siamese twins. You can't have one in one place and one in the other place. Wherever one is, so the other is also. It's like your left hand and your right hand. You can't have your left hand in China and your right hand here in the U.S. They're always in the same place, always in the same room. It's like your hand and your iPhone. They're always together. You can't have one in one place with another in the other place. They're always connected, always together. This is what the reality of your money situation is telling you. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And I'm concerned about your heart. Remember, this is very important. Money is a thing. It's neutral. It's not good or bad. How you use it determines everything about it. So the concern is not what you have or what you don't have. It's how that's affecting your heart. How is it affecting your heart? And how your heart is is gonna come from where your money is. Jesus knows this, which is why, fun fact, fun Bible fact, Jesus talks about money more than anything else in the Bible. If you were to take all the themes of Jesus, his speeches, all his preaches, all his sermons, preaches, not a word, all his sermons, and you were to say, I'll say he wouldn't really give speeches either, so sermons is a better word. Uh, you take all of those, and if you were to categorize them, say, what did Jesus thematically talk about? Money would be number one. Number one, it was the thing he talked about the most. And the reason for that is because he knows what it does to your heart. And Jesus is concerned, obviously, most and foremost about your heart. So you need to ask yourself, where am my money at? When you ask that question, you'll know where your heart is. Let me give you an example. In Matthew 19, there's a story of, it's called the rich young, young ruler. Rich young ruler, in a sense. And some of you who are probably familiar with this, some of you not, or it's basically a young man who has a lot of wealth. He comes to Jesus and he asks a very important question. He says, how can I have eternal life? Which is the question Jesus, <laughs> he answers that question better than anybody else. He looks at him and he says, well, you must keep all the commandments. And the guy looks back at him and he says, I have done that. Which is crazy, you know, it's like when your kids tell you they didn't steal the candy. You're like, I know you stole the candy. I don't know why you're trying to lie to me. He says, I, haven't, I have kept all the commandments, he says. You know what we would do? That's ridiculous. Okay, when's the last time you lied? When's the last time you never lied? You're lying right now. You know, that's what we would do. We'd walk through the list. Jesus doesn't do that because Jesus knows what to do next. The guy says, I kept all the commandments. And Jesus says, okay, there's one thing you must do. Go and sell all your possessions, give them to the poor, and come follow me. And it says the rich young man went away sad because he thought he was okay until Jesus touched his money. He thought he had been a good religious person until Jesus touched his money. He thought he was willing to do what Jesus asked until Jesus touched his money. Why did Jesus say that? Why did he not go over the list of all the ways he'd already sinned? Because he wanted to reveal to the man the condition of his heart. And Jesus knew if he touched his money, the man would see his heart. And that's what Jesus is doing today. 
And that's what he wants to do through the word of God. And it might make you a little sad like him, a little uncomfortable. But what I hope it does is it makes you turn to Jesus and trust him. Jesus taught us that the greatest commandment is that you shall love the Lord your God with all of your, what's the first word? Heart. With all of your heart. The greatest thing any human being can do is love God with all of their heart. And the greatest hindrance to the condition of your heart is how you're spending your money. The greatest thing keeping you from loving God with all of your heart is your use of your material possessions. This is getting in the way. Now, I want to state something obvious. The health of your heart is very important. We know this physically, but I also want you to consider it, consider it spiritually. If overeating every day has bad effects on your physical heart, then overspending every day has bad effects on your spiritual heart. Your habits are affecting the condition of your heart, and they're either leading towards freedom in life or they're leading towards death. This is why the Bible says in Proverbs 4.23, you must guard your heart for a few things you do come from it. That's not what it says. You must guard your heart, for you use your heart for a few things here and there. For some of the things you do and think about come from your heart. No, no, no. Guard your heart. Why is that so important? Because everything you do, every word you say, every action that you take, every emotion that you feel, every choice that you make comes from it. You must, therefore, protect your heart. Now, Here's how your money plays into that. I want you to write this down. One of the best ways to guard your heart is to guide your money. You say, how do I do that, spiritually speaking? Well, God has given us real life things that we can use to make spiritual progress. One of the best ways to guard your heart is to guide your money, to make intentional choices to put your money where you want your heart to be. Here's another thing I want you to write down real quick, is do not follow your heart, lead your heart. And put your money where you want your heart to be. And so follow your heart is the worst advice ever given in the history of mankind, and nobody has been better off for doing that. Neither does anybody know exactly how to do that. Don't follow your heart, lead your heart. You've been so busy trying to find yourself and follow your heart that you never thought I can actually lead my heart to where I want to find myself. Take some initiative and be proactive. Follow, don't follow your heart, lead your heart. Well, how do I lead my heart? Put your money where you want your heart to be. You say, man, I don't feel so in love with God. Well, put your money to the things that God loves and watch your heart be there with it. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. You say, man, I'm having a hard time loving others. Well, start being generous towards them. Guide your money to serve other people. And all of a sudden, you'll find yourself loving people more. Because where your money is, that's where your heart will be. You just, you're, you're, you're focused on yourself and you find it hard to care for the poor and needy. You find it hard to think outside of your personal needs. And you're not just going to pray that away. You have to do something practical. Put your money where the poor and needy are and watch your heart grow in love and compassion for the poor and needy. Stop trying to follow your heart. Start leading your heart. And one of the best ways you can lead your heart is put your money where you want your heart to be. So Jesus gives us these options. He says, wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be. And then he tells us two places we can put it, earth or heaven. That's why Jesus says, do not lay up treasures on earth, but lay them up in heaven. The reason for that is if your treasure is on earth, your heart is on earth. But if your treasure is in heaven, then your heart is in heaven. And let me tell you, it's hard to live with heavenly hope when you are fixated on earthly treasures. It is hard to live with heavenly hope when you are fixated on earthly treasures. You say, I don't feel very hopeful. Well, maybe you need to check where your money's going. I don't feel very excited for the future. Well, maybe it's because you're too focused on this world. It is hard to be filled with heavenly hope, which we so desperately need if you are fixated on earthly treasures. 
So we're just gonna do both sides of this. He says, don't lay up treasures on earth, but lay them up in heaven. So I'm gonna take one at a time. Do not lay up your treasures on earth. Uh, when you get into some of the language behind this, it could come out this way. Another way is say, do not treasure your treasures on earth, which I think is a, it gets to the heart a little quicker to say, to not lay up your treasures in, on earth is to not treasure your treasures. It is to not love them. Uh, I was reading an article the other day of Simone Biles, and she was talking about how she keeps her medals in a safe and she never looks at them. I thought, isn't that profound, you know, to do all of this work, to win these awards everybody wants, and then just to put them somewhere where you're never going to see them, you don't look at them. And that's obviously a good word to all of us when we're working for worldly success and how empty that really is and how we need, obviously only Jesus can satisfy a heart, and she wasn't making any points like that, but I thought it's a great example of not treasuring your treasures. It's a gold medal, but she says, eh. You know, what am I going to do, pet it every day? You know, like, and it's a good point to say, don't treasure your treasures on earth. The Bible says it this way, 1 Timothy 6, 9 through 10. But those who, now here's the word, desire to be rich. Let me clarify real quick. It doesn't say those who are rich. Remember, money is neutral. Money is a thing. It's not bad to have a lot of it, and it's not spiritually bad to not have much of it. It's neutral. How you use it determines what it's doing to you. But it says those who desire to be rich fall into a temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Here it is again. For money, no, it's not what it says. What does it say? For the love of money, it doesn't say, once again, I think some of us have missed a part of this verse. Money is not the root of any kind of evil. Money is a thing. It's like a drum. It's neutral. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And this is my, my, really my pastoral heart to you in this is to avoid this next phrase. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. I want you to avoid the pain of being greedy. I want you to avoid the pain of not trusting in God. I want you to avoid the pain of always needing more and more. I want you to avoid that pain, and I want you to find freedom today. I don't want you to wander away from the faith because of money and things. So it says, don't love the money. Don't desire to be rich. Don't treasure your treasures. What we know in the Bible, but also in real life, has been proven even in research, is that more money doesn't make you more happy. Now, there is a baseline. We'll talk about the baseline of basic necessities being met. And it is fair to say that if you, if you can't find food and all that, that, that dramatically alters your happiness, which is understandable. But at a basic level of having food, clothing, and shelter, beyond that, an increase in standard of living does not equal an increase in happiness. The better car, the better house, or the more expensive clothes, or the better food, none of that actually makes a person overall more happy. So more money doesn't make you more happy. Another fun study done when they were asking just people around, they would meet people and they would ask them how much money they made, and then they would say, how much more do you need to be happy? And somebody who made $30,000 said, well, if I made $60,000, I'd be more happy. Somebody who made $60,000 said, well, if I made $120,000, I'd be more happy. Somebody who made $120,000 said, well, if I made $240,000, I'd be more happy. No matter what happened, whoever they asked basically said double. And the person who said 30 said 60, but the person who made 60 said 120. And the person who wanted 120 could talk to the person that said, I make 120. That doesn't do it. I need 240. Do you see? It's just a never-ending cycle because it's not about how much money you have. After you've met the basic necessities, which almost everybody living in America has access to, praise God. And to say, this is the essential thing that we must believe and understand, I want you to write this down, is that the secret to happiness is not more, but enough. Which is basically the word contentment. True happiness is contentment. The secret to happiness is not more, but enough. And true happiness is learning to be content, as Paul said, in all things. So, 
what does it mean to lay up treasures on earth? We wanna, I don't want you to over-spiritualize this, and I want you to practically think it through. I don't, wanna, I don't want you, and I don't want to lay up treasures on earth. Well, I got four different realities at play in your heart when you do this that I want you to understand. So we're trying to get at the heart. What is laying up treasures? How does that affect your heart? Or what's coming from your heart when you do that? So don't lay up earthly treasures can also mean don't overvalue worldly things. I'm gonna call this one moldy money, okay? I'll give a funny phrase for you for each one so you don't forget. This one's moldy money. Don't overvalue worldly things. Overvaluing worldly things is moldy money. Well, why is that? Well, the scripture here says, uh, do not lay up treasures on earth, why? Where moth and rust destroy. Now, everybody's like, what in the world is moth and rust? You know, like, uh, I don't understand that. I understand when uh, the Bitcoin goes down, I don't understand moth and rust. So. Moth and rust are, uh, back then, wealth was mainly in materials like metal and cloth. And so when you accumulate wealth, you do so with these items. So the main danger on your wealth, other than thieves stealing it, which is what you see, is that moth or rust destroy it. And so that was the main danger for them. And I was trying to think through, what does that look like for us? Obviously, now, your food still does get moldy when you don't eat it fast enough. You experience that on a daily basis. But most of you aren't worried about rust on a daily basis. Well, how about this? How about when the car value depreciates as soon as you leave the lot? That's moldy money. How about when the food that you spent so much money on is gone in two minutes? Or, worse than that, the strawberries that you bought for $10 have gone bad before you had a chance to eat them. That's moldy money. That's moldy money. Isn't that frustrating? How about the fact that that vacation experience is gone, but the debt is still there? You ain't sitting on the beach no more, but you're trying to figure out how to pay off $5,000. And you're more miserable than you were before you left. Moldy money. How about those clothes you once loved? That jacket you spent $200 on that you recently just gave away for free. You used it for two years. You thought it was a big deal. It wore out its, its glamour on you, and you recently just put it in goodwill. That's moldy money. How about to my parents out there, the toys your kids love that you secretly threw away? I said, we're just doing some cleaning out today. I'm not even going to ask them if they want that no more. That one makes a lot of noise. See you later. That's moldy money. They begged you for that toy in Target. You spent the money, and it didn't last three days, and now it's gone in the trash can. That's moldy money. How about this? Even the things that you loved and wanted to save, you lost in your last move. The things you valued, you still lost. I used to have some really expensive baseball cards growing up. I don't even know where they are anymore. They're gone. I don't know what happened. Lost them in the last move. Here's the reality is that the things you put your money in are worn out, burnt out, busted out, rusted out, left out, thrown out, used up, given back, broken, lost and never found. They're in someone else's house. They're in someone else's hands or they're deep under the ground in a pit of trash. And listen to me. And where your treasure is, And some of you wonder why your heart is worn out, burnt out, busted out, rusted out, left out, thrown out, used up, broken, lost, and somewhere deep underground. Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be. You have overvalued worldly things and undervalued heavenly things, and you have been left with empty worldly pleasures, and you have neglected perfect heavenly joy. Not only is it true that where your treasure is, there your heart will be, but how about where your treasure is, there your worries will be also. Where your treasure is, there your anxieties are. Where your treasure is, there your depression is found. Where your treasure is, there your, your trouble and your struggle is found because what you value, you will worry about. So do not overvalue worldly things. That's moldy money. The next one is don't be overconfident in earthly treasures. 
I call this one dummy money. Don't be overconfident in earthly treasures. It's dummy money. The scripture says in 1 Timothy 6, 17, as for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Look at that phrase. Do not set your hopes on the uncertainty of riches. To put your hope in something that is guaranteed to be uncertain is pretty dumb. That's dummy money. To think that I am secure because my finances are secure is dumb. That's dummy money. To think that I will be okay with God because my life was okay on earth is dummy money. Dummy money. To be, don't be overconfident in what you have and its ability to provide you hope, happiness, and security in life. One time I got donated a suite at a Wizards game. It was an amazing experience. I'm a pastor, so I don't sit in suites a whole lot. But uh, through like a foster care organization, my, we're foster parents, and this, they, they donated these tickets. And we were able to go sit at this Wizards game. Now, the suite was amazing. It was a Wizards game, so it wasn't that great of a game. But the suite was amazing. So I had invited some people. We go to the suite. It's quite the experience. Now, you know, you ever have imposter syndrome where you know you're somewhere you don't belong? And I'm, I'm the guy in charge of this situation, so I'm just trying to walk around like I know what to do. Like, yeah, I've been up here before. Yeah, how do you order this? Oh, yeah, this is where you sit. Oh, yeah, I'm trying to, you know, like, this is where I belong. When I'm the whole time I'm thinking, I don't know what to do. The people, they're going to see me. I'm an imposter. I don't belong here. And I get in there, and, uh, you know, the waitress is real nice. She gives me the menu, and, uh, you know, I just assumed that, with the sweet comes the food. That was a bad assumption. What I came to realize was the sweet was donated, but the food was our, at our expense. Now, sweet food prices are not normal people food prices. Let's just be super, not even close, not even like a little bit close, okay? Uh, it's like a few bites just for a, a few dollars for a bite of a chicken tender. Like the amount of chicken tenders in the thing to according to how much it costs, I was like, this doesn't make any sense. This doesn't compute. Are they made out of gold? Do I keep them in my pocket? I don't understand. I didn't know the cost that, that came with what was given to me and my confidence in the situation or trying to feel secure in it really revealed, was revealed to be pretty dumb when I found out that there was a catch. And what I want you to understand is there is a catch to every one of the things that you treasure. There is a cost that goes beyond what you originally thought that it would cost. It could be a spiritual cost. It could be a relationship cost. It could be a, a, a life and death cost. There is a cost that goes beyond your earthly treasure. And you should never sit comfortably in your earthly treasures. So don't be like me and don't not know the catch at the end. The catch at every, at, for every dollar you spend is that it will not return to you what you hoped it would. So don't be overconfident in your earthly treasures. This is dummy money. Nobody wants to be a dummy. All right. The third one, don't use money to just accumulate more and more. We'll call this one junky money. Junky money. It's actually worked out great as a word because it has two definitions. One is like for an addict who needs more and more, which is true. The other is just for junk, which is also true. So don't need more and more junk, okay? Don't be addicted to junk. Don't seek to accumulate more and more. Luke 12 gives us this story. Once again, Jesus with another parable about money. There was this rich man, and he's succeeding in life. He grows more and more, and he has more and more success. He ends up saying, I don't have a place to put all of my things, all of my success. And he says, I will build more barns so I can house my goods. And somebody might say, well, that seems like a reasonable strategy. Well, the Bible, and Jesus is trying to show us right at his heart. And he says he's, his desire is to accumulate more. And so he says, I'm going to build more things so I can house more stuff. And Jesus then says that the word to him is, you fool, tonight your life will be required of you. And so it is for those who are not rich towards God. And the idea for this to consider is that his desire to accumulate more and more was the very thing that led to his destruction. And the irony of it all is that he didn't even get to enjoy the more that he accumulated. You will spend your whole life trying to add things that you will never use. 
And here's what the Bible's trying to point out to us is don't use your money just to accumulate more and more things. Now, here's where you need to work with others that you know and the Holy Spirit to help discern. I cannot sit here and tell you that you shouldn't have this or you shouldn't have that. Or There's not like a thou shalt not have more than 10 things in your house commandment. Thou shalt not drive this kind of car. Thou shalt not have this many things. I don't know. There's nothing like that in the Bible. It talks about being generous. It talks about being sacrificial. It talks about thinking of others. It talks about all those things, the principles by which we use our money. But for you to know when are you accumulating, I don't know that. You have to discern that with the Lord, but you better be super serious about figuring it out. Am I just accumulating more and more things, or am I using my money to be generous? So to not lay up earthly treasures is to not just accumulate more and more junk. That's junky money. The last one is don't use money to seek the praise of men rather than God. I call this one dirty money. Don't seek, don't use money to seek the praise of men rather than God. This is dirty money. Dirty money is money that's used in underhanded ways, off-market ways, money that's used not in the ways that it was intended to be used. This is like made-off money, that money was given to someone for the purpose of one thing, and it was used for a totally different purpose. You have to remember that all of the money you have has been directly given to you by God. You did not earn it just because you're the smartest and the best or you work hard. Those are all good qualities. But the reason you can make good money because you went to school is because God gave you a brain to do that. He gave you a situation and access to resources to provide the opportunity to do that. You can never take full credit for any of your statue or situation in life. It has been given to you by God. Now, how audacious would it be to take something God has given me which is supposed to be used for his glory and to turn it around to use for my own glory. To take something that was intended, that God gave me as an intention to serve others, but to use it to grow in selfishness. If God gave me something to magnify and make his name great that I didn't use to make people think I'm great. That God gave me to reveal how beautiful Jesus is, and then I then used to be more beautiful myself. This is dirty money. Here's another phrase I want you to understand is all your money is company money, and you're going to have to turn in your receipts. It's company money. All y'all know, it's company money. It is not your money, and you're going to have to turn in your receipts. And you're going to have to give an account for whether the money you were given served the purpose of the organization. You know, when you turn in your receipts, you don't just give a receipt. You have to write down the purpose. And the purpose has to match the purpose of the organization for it to be a valid use of money. I can't say, well, I felt like going to lunch today. No, I was meeting with a customer. You know, whatever it might be. The purpose has to fit the purpose of the organization. You know this in your, in your finances within your businesses, and this is true with your finances in the kingdom. All of your money is company money, and you need to utilize it for the purposes of God. It has to fit the purpose of for which it was given. It has to be used for that which was it intended to use. And as the Bible makes it plain, it can be taken away in a second if it's not used properly. And so we ought to live with certain fear of God and certain like trepidation. We don't mess with God this way. I don't take something God has given me and then use it to make myself great and totally neglect the greatness of God. He's not gonna put up with that very long. There's an appropriate fear there. Yes, God loves you. Yes, Jesus died on the cross for your sins. Yes, God loves you in the midst of your sin. But the Bible also says God disciplines those he loves. You can't trifle with God and get away with it for very long. His discipline is good. It draws us back to himself. But we cannot use the money that God has given us to seek the praise of men rather than God, to make myself look more impressive and deny making the Lord look as great as he is or just revealing how great he is, to use it for my own gain and deny the kingdom gain. God has given you for money. God has given you money, an allotted amount for a purpose, and it's dirty money if you use it for yourself rather than God. Now, once again, that might make you a little uncomfortable. It should, but I cannot discern that for you. 
Are you, are you allowed to go to Starbucks? Of course you are. Are you allowed to go three times a day? I don't know. That might be, you might need to start thinking about that one, you know. I'm not gonna tell you no, but I don't know. I, you know, can you go to Ruth Chris sometimes? Sure you can. Can you, can you go every meal every day? I probably, I don't know, it probably doesn't seem very wise. Like, I just can't tell you exactly where the line is between how much money you make, how generous you are, and your use of your resources. Of course, God has given you some things to provide for your family, to have, to have things to be able to use. There's, there's an aspect of that where God says, use them and richly enjoy them. God's a good father. So the idea is, Nate's not telling you to like, walk around and somebody's like, well, Nate just said we should all, like, uh, I can't look good in this nice new jacket because it's not about me, so I gotta go to Goodwill today, you know? No more Lululemon, Nate said, you know? Like, that's the praise of men, you know? I'm not saying that. But I am saying that you need to take the truth from God's word and shove it into your life and begin to make financial decisions in light of that. That's all I'm saying to you. I don't wanna put any unnecessary rules on your life. I don't wanna tell you exactly when is too much and when is not. That's for you to discern, but you have to take these truths very seriously and apply them into your life with great diligence and care. And the benefit of this is, as we're gonna see in a minute, you'll be much happier, much more free, and enjoy your life much more when you do so. So those are the four things about laying up treasures in heaven. Don't overvalue worldly things, that's moldy money. Don't be overconfident in earthly treasures, that's dummy money. Don't use money to accumulate more, that's junky money. And don't use money to seek the praise of men rather than God, that's dirty money. Remember, all your money is company money, and you're gonna have to give your receipts. The next one now is lay up treasures in heaven. So don't lay up treasures on earth, that's the don't, but now there's a do. Do lay up treasures in heaven. Now, treasures in heaven is what I've always paid interns with. It's an amazing resource that you can use <laughs> to supply for other people's needs. Say, do I get paid in this internship? Yeah, you do. Treasures in heaven. I'm doling them out. I got lots of them to give. And when we're in heaven, you're going to be glad I didn't give you earth dollars because you're going to have a better mansion than me. You know, you're going to be happy. You're going to be happy. Try to convince them of this. Now, it probably doesn't work in your organization or in your business to pay people with treasures in heaven, uh, but it works pretty good in the kingdom. But treasures in heaven. Now, some of you didn't understand my reference earlier because you're too young, and some of you won't understand this because you're too old, so I'm gonna speak to everybody today. But I'm talking to y'all about securing the bag. You need to secure the bag. You need to secure the bag, all right? Somebody in the last service literally asked, what's that out loud? In service, so I had to explain it. So just in case that's you, it means to get paid. <laughs> it's very simple, <laughs> to get paid. To secure the bag is like when an athlete signs their contract, that money is guaranteed, even if they broke both their legs the next day, they have secured the bag. I want you to secure the bag. I want you to actually get paid way more than you could ever think of in life. I want you to receive everything God has for you, but the way you're gonna do that is to fix your mind on heaven. I'm not asking you to walk around saying, woe is me. I have to give up all these things. As we talked about a few weeks ago, remember? I'm not giving up anything, but I'm getting everything. That's the attitude of the Christian. There is no sacrifice in the Christian life because God will always return to you a hundredfold what you ever gave to him, especially in heaven. So how am I gonna secure the bag? Well, the first thing you need to consider about life is the purpose of this life is preparation for the next one. What, the purpose of this life is preparation for the next one. And some of you, this is where you really need to sit in and say, we're talking about money and how God wants you to steward your money, but what's more important about you is how you're stewarding your life and the purpose of your life now is to prepare you for the next one. And the only way to be prepared for the next life, the eternal life, is to put your trust in Jesus Christ. He died on a cross for your sins. He rose from the grave so that you could have an eternal life. But money won't save you. Good works won't save you. Going to church won't save you. Being a nice person won't save you. Serving the poor won't save you. There is nothing you can do, but there is something Jesus has done. And he is asking you to put your faith in him today. You're not prepared for the next life because you haven't trusted in Jesus yet in this one. And that's the only thing that matters to you today. Worry about your money tomorrow and get your soul right today. I plead with you to put your faith in Jesus. The rest of you who do know the Lord, your whole entire existence is predicated upon this reality that everything you do in this life has an effect in the next one. It's all connected. So therefore, the next point in light of that is this. Possessions don't last, but their purpose can. 
Possessions don't last, but their purpose can. So how do I lay up treasures in heaven? I use material things to obey God and to help make spiritual progress. I, my possession won't last. This amount of money won't last. This thing I have won't last. But its purpose can. So if I use it for its intended purpose, though the material thing may go away, the purpose lives forever. And now I have attached what I have been given, not to the thing that goes away, that gets rusted out and busted out, but to the thing that lives forever, storing up treasures in heaven. So I take my material things, I take the money that I have, I take the things that I have been given, and I don't see them just as things in and of themselves, but as tools that I can use to advance the kingdom of God. And when I attach my money to its purpose, then I store up treasures in heaven. Because what I do in this life affects the next one. So are you focused on the possession or are you focused on the purpose? The next one about this is don't accumulate, accelerate. How do I store up treasures in heaven? Well, instead of thinking about accumulating more goods, start thinking about accelerating the gospel, accelerating doing good to others. This will help you discern the difference between do I have too much? Make accelerating the gospel your priority so that you don't even have to worry about whether you're accumulating too many things. This is another example of using material possessions for spiritual progress. And all of you, myself, all of us, need to discern the difference between saving and hoarding. Once again, I cannot sit up here and tell you exactly when that line has crossed for you. You have too many things. The odds are every single person in this room has too many things. So it's probably a pretty strong guess, you know. It's probably pretty, the amount of things you have thrown away, you know, it probably just shows you how many, too many things. But the goal is to not accumulate but accelerate and to discern the difference between saving and hoarding. Is it wise to save? Of course it is. Is it wise to have retirement account? Of course it is. Is it wise? Yeah, nobody's saying you just need to just live crazy on the edge every day. But it is saying you need to discern the difference. And here's a, here's a word for you I want you to remember. Is you cannot focus too much on avoiding future hypothetical disaster when you can help someone in their real present disaster. So you think, oh, I need to save for a rainy day and someone else is having a rainy day right now. And your rainy day is, I mean, it's probably coming, all of us have rainy days, but it's still hypothetical and it's in the future. And someone else is struggling right now in this present moment. This is why the Bible says you need to do good to those who are in front of you when you have time to do it. Not like when you have time, but like as in the times right now. Do not focus so much on avoiding a hypothetical future disaster that you never help someone in their real present disaster. Now, this is how we really function as a church is the money that comes in goes out. We save some to buy the building so we can use it for good things. Praise God. Thank you for your generosity. We're still we'll talk about that in a few weeks and what that looks like more. But we want to use the money that's been given. So there's a present need that can be filled by a present action. But taking the present action requires a future trust in God. That if I give what, is, what maybe even feels like more than I can now, that the Lord honors that attitude and will provide what's needed later. It's trust. Once again, this is where faith comes in, to say I can, I can save, I can oversave for all the future disasters and not be generous, and I can be fooled into thinking that's wisdom. While at the same time, though, God wants to take what you have been given now to help people now and to trust God for the future. So once again, I cannot tell you how much is too much to have left over. I can't tell you that. There's no rule. There's no commandment. But you need to discern if your heart is full of faith, trust in God, helping people now, or if the majority of your money is being saved up for a potential disaster that hasn't even happened yet. And what would it look like to trust God to help people now while you can and to live that kind of life? This is why verse 18 in the same chapter we looked about earlier, 1 Timothy 6, says they are to do good, to be rich in good works, and be generous and ready to share. And this is how you say, store up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. So how do I store up treasures in heaven as I do good works now? Which is a wonderful blessing, especially to those of you who don't have many material goods, is that you don't need money to store up lots of treasures in heaven. You can get rich by doing good works for Jesus. And I mean heavenly rich, okay? Don't take that, put it on Twitter and say, 
They tell me, get rich on earth. No, 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 no. You might, but God's not making you a promise. And if you do, you better use it good. <laughs> Let me close with this picture for you. The band can come up. We said earlier that a new car is a bad investment because it depreciates over time. Practically speaking, you know there are certain good investments like real estate in a good location is a good investment because it appreciates and increases in value over time. So a new car is a bad financial investment because it depreciates in value over time. Real estate in a good location, great investment, appreciates in value over time. Now let me give you the Jesus jukes of all Jesus jukes. Where is the best real estate? In heaven, that's right. Thank you. Fill in the blank. So we need to invest our resources in a place where they will consistently appreciate and increase over time. And that will fill you with hope. Let me close with this scripture for you. First Peter 1, 3 through 5 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And here it is. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, which is kept in heaven for you. And this is the real estate of heaven. And the only way to buy real estate in heaven is through the blood of Jesus Christ. And I'm calling on you to trust in the blood today for forgiveness of your sins. And I'm calling on everyone to live in light of Jesus' sacrifice to you. For God so loved the world that he held back his only son. No, no, no. For God so loved the world that he gave. And in light of God's generosity to you, may you take that and in turn be generous to others for his glory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. And we thank you so much that you have been generous with us. We thank you so much that you have been so kind to us. Lord, we thank you for your word, Lord. Sometimes it's painful to have surgery done, but it has a long-term benefit. I pray that you would free us from the love of money, that you would free us from trusting in money, that you would free us from being over-worried about money, and that you would allow us to live trusting in you, working hard, being generous, and doing good to others in your name. I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would lead each person to respond and apply your word as needed in their lives. We love you. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you stand? Let's respond to the Lord. There's a prayer team down front.